Hello, I'm Emma Louise Coffey, and you're welcome to the Dairy Edge, the Chagas Dairy Podcast. We're bringing you the latest information, insights, and opinion to improve dairy farm performance. And on this week's episode, Moor Park researchers Brendan Horn and Lawrence Chalou discuss why the most profitable farmers are the most environmentally efficient. And Lawrence started by looking back on the first signs of expansion following signals of milk quota abolition. Yeah, I suppose uh, the first indication um, came from the EU that quotas were going to be abolished in 2015, uh, in 2008. And essentially that meant that there was going to be a relaxation of quotas in the sense that there was additional quota for Ireland and there was a relaxation on some of the policies around fat adjustments in quota. So farmers since 2007, 2008 have actually started to react and start to generate more heifer calves. And now we can see uh, as of 2018, we have about 380,000 additional cows uh, when we compare ourselves to the base of 2007 to 2009. So farmers are preparing for expansion. Uh, and are expanding with a long time. And we can see that in terms of the increases in milk output at farm level. And Brendan, when we look at, I suppose, the whole area of expansion, and there's a huge, you know, sustainability is a big buzzword. Um, When we look at that expansion, has there been an impact of the expansion on the environmental output in a negative regard? Have we become more efficient? Well, there's negatives and positives. So for, for instance, for any of the, sustainability indicators that are linked to productivity such as you know uh, green or carbon footprint per kilo product or nutrient use efficiency those indicators have improved by you know between eight and ten percent over the last five six years because of the increased productivity that's been achieved at farm level but there again you know there are certain indicators that aren't linked to productivity such as our total emissions or emissions per hectare and because of the increase in cow numbers you know the out the for instance our total emissions per hectare have increased by about 12 percent during that period so there are some positives and some negatives arising from that and if we take a step back then and look at the overall environmental footprint that we have in ireland based on our system of production i suppose you know if we look at our markets um there's an image that ireland is i suppose clean green grass based um where is our environmental footprint if we compare ourselves to other countries in europe or our competitors internationally sure so i suppose we're not particularly intensive if you look at the eu stats we're right in the middle of the range in terms of nitrogen surpluses, in terms of utilizable agricultural area and stocking rates and so on. And because we're grass-based and don't have such requirements for big importation of feed and so on, our emissions per kilo of product are much lower than other countries. So, for instance, we're about a kilo of, of uh, CO2 equivalent per kilo of milk. Um, that, that's very favorable in the EU terms, about half the global uh, figure, you know, and much lower than most of the other big dairy industries that we deal with. In terms of nitrogen surpluses, again, we're in the middle of the range in terms of the EU, again, much lower than intensive dairy industries across Europe. So this, the grass-based model is allowing us to be very sustainable at a mid-level of intensity in terms of European context, text at least. And on that, are we selling that enough? Are we are we displaying those advantages more? Or should we do display those advantages more than we are? I think we do. I think we do sell them and increasingly we're communicating with customers about the characteristics of how food is produced here but you know you have to remember other countries are doing that too and I suppose we have to I think differentiate ourselves more and more as we go ahead and you know with improving technology around measurement of foods and so on we can you know state more clearly over time how how you know the provenance of our food and how it compares with that of others in other industries. 
Just just to jump in, like if we look at it, and and Brendan mentioned it, like uh, internationally, the average footprint of milk is two and a half kilos of CO two per kilo of milk. In Ireland, it's just about one. So the actual expansion in Ireland has dramatically reduced global foot, the global footprint of milk. So you know sometimes we stand back and we say all oh, this expansion is bad. It's increasing emissions. Yes, it is increasing emissions. But when we compare ourselves internationally, we look at the international market. We're actually reducing global emissions when more Irish product is on that market, and, and we shouldn't forget that. Just, I suppose, to add to it then in terms of, I suppose, suppose our contribution, agriculture is significantly important in Ireland, and you need, that's quite unique. It's around 30% of our emissions come from agriculture, um, whereas it's only about 10% at EU level. So we have to, you know, we will have to make significant contributions in terms of, for instance, the climate change uh, agenda in terms of the national uh, targets and so on going forward. So I suppose... We're in a good position, but we definitely have to contribute more. And we can do that with the type of technology we have. And if we just turn our attention then to financials for a few minutes. Lawrence, we discuss financials a lot on on the show. Um, We had Emma Dillon, an ag economist most recently, and she told us that in 2018, dairy incomes in Ireland were in excess of €60,000. If we look at income in terms of net profit per hectare where is the average farmer at at the moment and where's the the top 10 percent farmer so if we look at it and you know there are i suppose quite a range in terms of profitability but if we look at the the best farmers the best farmers are somewhere around uh, and again 2008 taking one year is not a good example a good good idea if we look at you know over a range of years uh, our best farmers uh, are, are can make a profit of somewhere up to 2000 2200 euros per hectare or top 10 percent of farmers whereas our average are probably sitting at somewhere around 12 or 1300 euros. If we look at that across the scale of the industry at a 50 hectare farm or a 55 hectare farm, just take an example of a 50 hectare farm, that difference in profit is 40 to 45,000 euros a year in retained income or income that's available to the household. So there's a huge advantage on focusing on efficiency. There's a huge advantage at farm level. Uh, again, going back to what we'll be discussing at the open day, you know, all of the technical drivers of efficiency will increase profitability. There is huge scope to further increase profitability by increasing utilization, inclu- uh, increasing six-week calving rate, uh, and all of the other technologies that we see out there. A roadmap map has been developed, you know, to, uh, where we can earn two and a half thousand euro net profit per hectare. Um, can you briefly outline the performance? You're mentioning utilisation, six-week yeah. calving rate. What does that €2,500 net profit farm look like? So that €2,500 uh, net profit farm um, is a farm that's utilising 13 tonnes of grass. They're producing somewhere around 480 gills of milk solids uh, with less than half a tonne of concentrate. They're calving 90% of the herd in uh, six weeks. Um, they have uh, approximately... Um, they're, they're utilizing uh, clover, you know, in very much in their system. They're spreading uh, potentially 150 to 200 kilograms of chemical nitrogen. Uh, they have a carbon footprint of 0.7, uh, which is like substantially lower than the national average, maybe up to 40% lower than the national average. Uh, and they have a labor efficiency of 16 hours per cow with the national average at somewhere over 30. So there's a, across all of the metrics that drive efficiency and profit, pro- productivity and profitability, they are substantially ahead than the average. And if we can put ourselves in the shoes of our average farmer who's at roughly €1,200 net profit per hectare, so they're basically at half that of the target. 
like, can you give us a few tips? You know, if we said now I'm at 1,200 and I want to get to 2,500 euro net profit, it, it might seem like a, a big jump. What, maybe three tips on, on how they can kickstart their journey to in, improve themselves. And I suppose the first, the first one and, 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 and probably the most important one is at particularly now where we are in the year, the breeding season is coming, you know, closer to the end. So I suppose that the potential to, you know, focus on genetics is less now. So the focus should be on soil fertility and increasing grass growth on the farm. We know nationally we're utilizing 18 ton. We know we can utilize 13 ton. So how do we get that? And that's really about two, three things. One, about uh, understanding which paddocks are performing well. Uh, and which paddocks are performing poorly. Once we identify the paddocks that are par- performing fo- poorly, we have to identify why they're performing poorly. And we have to put an intervention strategy into those paddocks to uh, increase grass growth. So the single biggest driver on profitability is grass utilisation. So if we focus on that at farm level, uh, it'll, be, it'll, it'll massively pay um, the, the individual farmer. And ju- just to clarify, it's, you, it's about eight tons we're utilising at the moment. Yes. And our target is 13. 13. Yeah. Okay. And then, uh, Brendan, if we look at it, you know, Lawrence has mentioned lots of t- technical farming that we need to get right. And there's there's lots of targets there. And I think that's fairly in line with the idea of sustainable intensification. And, you know, we can we've seen links between profitability, technical performance and also environmental efficiency. Can you talk us through this idea of sustainable intensification and what exactly it means? Yeah, sure. So I suppose the first thing to say is it's not exclusively an environmental focus. It's about profitable family farms. It's about high quality products and animal and, you know, human friendly systems. And then it's about, you know, really environmentally efficient uh, food production and really clean food production. And I suppose... Ultimately, in terms of, I suppose, the long-term picture of it, it's about producing food in a way today that doesn't in any way impinge on future generations to be able to produce the same foods in the same clean ways. So it's about productivity rather than production. It's about producing more, at least the same, and, you know, in an Irish context, I would say more food without any increase in requirements for some of the resources that, that are, you know, whether it be energy or nutrients or so on. So that's kind of like the, the concept. And, you know, grazing is unique then in terms of its ability to do that. You know, it's because there, that we can utilize, as Lawrence has said, much more pasture on our farms, that actually by utilizing more pasture and all the technologies Lawrence learned about, we can be more environmentally efficient and more productive. And that's relatively unique. And right across Europe now, there's an acknowledgement that there is a possibility for sustainable intensification of grazing raising systems and we're really to the forefront of that so that's a really good position to be in and and on that you know there's a considerable amount of research being done on increasing stocking rate and you know there is a perception that this expansion and increased cow numbers on farms is having a really detrimental effect what have you seen you know from the research that you've done where you're intensifying you know on particular farms mm, sure so i suppose stocking rate is often linked to environmental decay you know because of problems and so on that happens where you've got increases in fertilized use, increase in, fer- in concentrate use and so on. And there's a massive increase in the nutrient loading onto the farms associated with the stocking rate increase. What we're talking about and what Lawrence has outlined earlier is about increasing pasture production, utilization efficiency on our farms, not requiring any extra of these nutrients that are, you know, lose, that we lose from our, our, our soils and so on. So I suppose the stocking rate story for us is very much about utilizing and harnessing extra grass on our farms, doing that efficiently and without any environmental consequence from it and we have lots of experiments we've shown that where we can do that. Lawrence touched on clover and and there, 
there is um, a huge increase in the amount of clover um, being used on farms. Uh, have you a comment on that in terms of the, I suppose, the, the, the benefits environmentally? Yeah, sure. So I suppose for, for me, the, the clover story, uh, Lawrence has put a figure of about 450 euros a hectare, the extra value of clover in our systems in terms of extra animal performance, improved feed quality, and also a reduction in the requirement for chemical, fert- chemical nitrogen fertilizer. So that's, I suppose, the economic motive. From the environmental point of view, Don O'Brien is estimated that there could be a 10% reduction in emissions associated with re- displacing that chemical fertilizer with fixed nitrogen in our systems. So that's, I suppose, the potential that's there. It's one of the technologies we're talking about now with farmers. Can we increase clover use on our farms and maintain it at stable levels? And there'll be more research required to do that in order to display some of this chemical fertilizer and, and reduce our, inten- our emissions intensity. And then just looking at the cow, what can we do with the cow to ensure that you know, we're we're minimizing the in carbon footprint of the of of them. Yeah. So w- we know again from experiments that have been done here that as we select for more higher EBI animals, that those animals are more fertile, more productive, and therefore you know reduce our in, our uh, environmental intensity as well. I suppose the big thing around uh, genetic selection is about reducing the requirement for replacements. That's m- the m- one of the main ones. That if we can have more fertile herds with compact calving, as Lawrence has talked about, then we can actually reduce our f- our young stock footprint and therefore become you know, more mature animals, higher productivity and so on. So those are the big contributions. It's important to add, though, that in terms of, I suppose, a grazing system, we really need efficient ruminants. So animals that can achieve high intakes for their size and, you know, really digest feed efficiency. So really feed efficient animals are also animals that have a high nutrient use efficiency and are environmentally efficient as well. So those two work in tandem. And just just on that, I suppose a figure in terms of what should we target for body weight of of these ruminant, uh, the efficient ruminants? Well, what we've said is because there's a diversity of animals out there in farms that what we'd like is that farms would aim for about 90% of the body weight in terms of milk solids output. And I suppose to put that in in practical terms, that's probably an animal with an average weight of between 525 and 550 kilos, mature weight, a high maintenance sub-index in EBI. And therefore, and with high milk solids uh, achieving, you know, 90% of that body weight. So it's the next generation, Holstein Frisian, crossbred animals, those both groups would be consistent with that in terms of, you know, really efficient ruminants. And I suppose a quick rule of thumb, if you're talking about that 550 kilo animal, if you look at your EBI report, it's 20 euro in terms of maintenance. A comment, Lawrence, from you on, you've mentioned there's 380,000 more cows in the country. Um, A lot of expansion has occurred on individual farms, say within existing dairy herds, but also there's been new entrant farms. So more cows means that there has been investment in parlours, sheds, you know, buildings, um, and also some infrastructure. Has this impacted on the overall debt load on individual farms? It's a very it's a very interesting question, and the the answer is not really. Uh, there's been very slight increases in debt at farm level, you know, of the order of ten thousand euros per farm. Which, okay, when you look at it, it's it's a chunk of money, but it's it's tiny relative to the scale of our industry. Just to put it in context, the average debt on Irish dairy farms is about nine hundred euros per cow. The average debt on a New Zealand farm is somewhere around eight thousand euros per cow. In a Danish farm is twenty thousand euros per cow, and in a Dutch farm is somewhere around twelve thousand euros per farm. So our farms are very lowly indebted. That's the first point. The second point is that when we look at what has happened in the last ten years, 
there's been massive investment at farm level. If we just put a, a conservative estimate of 4,000 4, euros per cow for every additional cow between the cow and milking facilities and grazing infrastructure and housing, that amounts to somewhere of the order of 1.5 billion euros spent on farm or, or invested on farm and the debt level hasn't changed. So I think we'll, you know, what farmers have done is truly remarkable. Most of the investment has been done uh, outside of debt. Uh, our debt has been taken on and paid back quickly, which really is a very strong indication of the profitability and the sustainability of our systems. Uh, now, sometimes I would argue that, that maybe farmers put themselves under too much pressure trying to pay off debt uh, too quickly. They see debt as a huge cost in the system. And appropriate debt, debt for the right investments that increase productivity and efficiency, is not a bad thing within the system. So I think debt levels are, are, are low. Uh, they have increased very slightly, actually debt per unit of output, because milk output has increased so much, uh, ha- has actually dr- declined quite dramatically over that 10-year that period. So debt is, is a small component of, of Irish dairy farms. And would you um, say that more investment has to be made on farms? You made reference to, with your, you know, your target net profit, you're targeting a very efficient farm mm. with 16 mm. hours per mm. cow, you know, are the facilities on farm at the moment to achieve that? Yeah, and I suppose that could be one of the things that, that maybe there has been some some underinvestment. And I, I think some of that has to do with the speed of the expansion. And, and that, that expansion has, has, has been so rapid because we had such a, a rapid change in policy. Code is here today, code is gone tomorrow. And cow numbers have, 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 have reflected that. Um, and some investments, particularly in, I suppose, um, calving, um, calf rearing and calving facilities that probably have lagged a little bit, haven't been prioritized. Um, and I suppose the other thing is in terms of uh, milking facilities where cow numbers have increased to the point now where, where people are spending too long in the parlor in some situations. So there is a requirement to relook at that. But if we look at the, the, the overall industry, there's loads of scope for investment in, in, in facilities to, um, to, I suppose, counteract that. Because I suppose a number of years ago, we would have, you know, labor wasn't such a big thing. Now it is. And, and certainly some of these investments make sense to reduce the, the length of the working day, make it more sustainable, increase the quality of life. And secondly, to ensure that if we have staff in our system, that we can keep them our system, that our, our, our system is sustainable from that point of view. Yeah, I was just going to add in terms of the roadways and water troughs and the grazing infrastructure, I think we all agree that there is scope for big improvements in those things on many dairy farms. And, you know, it's not all about the, the shiny steel tanks and so on. It's the other the other aspects as well, you know. So that'll help that pasture utilisation figure. And finally then, I suppose a comment from you both. We mentioned there's 380,000 more cows in the country. Have we reached saturation point in terms of the expansion phase in Ireland um, in terms of cow numbers or is there scope for more expansion in the country? So if we look at the profitability of um, dairying relative to other enterprises, um, you know, there is there is no comparison. Dairying is extremely profitable compared to some of the other enterprises that farmers can be can be at. Currently, we have ballpark something under 1.5 million dairy cows in the country if we were to look at um you know at stock that's somewhere over two cows per hectare so that's only 700,000 hectares directly employed with the production of milk in ireland um there is lots of scope to bring in more land into dairy uh, more land from unprofitable currently unprofitable enterprises that could potentially uh, be producing milk 
you know, in lots of, lots of situations, good quality land that would have no problem for the milk production. So we would say maybe in a little bit more sustainable from the point of view of the speed of expansion. We've had a lot of expansion rapid in the last few years, driven by quota removal. So we would probably see um, the industry settling down to maybe a 2% increase in cow numbers from now on, um, which is very sustainable, um, fueled by... Um, land being converted from other enterprises uh, slightly more or higher stocking rates as we've said in in our own in our own systems um but there's loads of scope for further expansion as long as policy doesn't restrict it yeah i couldn't agree more i suppose look we're dealing with a four billion euro industry that's on approximately somewhere between 20 and 25 percent of the utilizable land area and uh, i mean there is based on the intensity of agriculture so on great opportunities for further expansion in the industry that can be profitable, that can be achieved in an environmentally sustainable way. I think also we need to add in there, we've got very innovative dairy farmers, and that's a huge strength in terms of adopting the types of new technologies we need, be it in terms of you know, the low emissions methods or the protected ureas and those kinds of technologies that will allow us to continue to expand the industry in a profitable way without having any environmental impacts. Over the last month there has been maybe some more a little bit of comment in the media about attracting you know maybe schemes for uh, attracting young people into farming and i suppose the one thing that we have to be sure if we do want to attract young people into farming we need to have a farming system or enterprise that's profitable and we need an enterprise or system that allows that person to progress in their enterprise so we need to be very careful of any policy instruments or anything like that that we might introduce if we do want to bring young people in we need to allow them to to drive on within their business and to see themselves uh, in, in a positive light that they can see a positive future in their business and if you look at the last five ten years i mean the growth in the industry has what has been what has allowed those young people to come in and massively increase the vibrancy of the whole thing you know so if if, if it doesn't grow it becomes very difficult to ha- attract those young people to further develop the industry in the future. But grow in a sustainable way. Grow in a way, you know, you know, we don't want to see a situation where we drift away from our only comparative advantage, which is grass-based, um, into higher input, higher stock and rates, uh, buffer feeding, all that kind of complication within our system. We need to make sure that we don't drift into that type of a system. So we're m- maintaining that simple system. And I suppose, you know, finally, when we look at it, um, you know, the next five or so years will be exciting for individual farms. You know, a lot of people that have expanded are dealing with probably young, immature herds. So, you know, productivity and profit should increase on farms in the future. We look forward to hearing more from me at the open day. Thanks, guys. And that's it for this week's episode of the Dairy Edge podcast. And my thanks to Brendan Horn and Lawrence Chalou for joining me on this week's show. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to the podcast. You can listen on Apple and Google Podcasts as well as Spotify. And for more information, go to the Chagas website at chagas.ie. I'm Emma-Louise Coffey and join me next time for your Dairy Edge.